Hello, and welcome to the Logistics Management Podcast Series. My name is Jeff Berman. I'm Group News Editor for Logistics Management Magazine and the Peerless Media Supply Chain Group. Today is a real pleasure to welcome a good friend of the magazine to our podcast, Brian Burke. Brian is currently Chief Growth Officer for Seco Logistics based in the Chicago area. Speaking six languages, Brian is responsible for the acceleration of Seco's organic growth and leads the company's demand generation, revenue management, and corporate marketing and communications initiatives. Brian began his career with Seco in 2005 after receiving his BA in economics from the University of Wisconsin. He also was the head of marketing communications for Geodis Wilson prior to returning to Seco initially as vice president marketing. Brian has appeared on CNBC and Bloomberg and has been quoted in various publications, including the Wall Street Journal, Financial Times, New York Times, and Crane Chicago on global supply chain issues. Brian, welcome to our podcast. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. It's a long time coming and we're happy to have you. Um, Why don't we just sort of start out with uh, the company itself, Brian. Can you just sort of give us a brief overview of Seco in terms of what you guys do uh, related to services provided, the verticals you serve, as well as the geographies you also serve? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, we're, we're a $2 billion organization, freight forwarder and 3PL. Uh, so we provide a lot of transportation and logistics services, uh, primarily air freight, ocean freight, ground transportation, white glove services, and fulfillment. Uh, the spaces and areas that we, we service are mostly in the e-commerce and retail side, as well as uh, on the white glove side and, and medical devices, high tech and retail displays. And for freight forwarding, uh, we, we run the gamut of industries from anything from manufacturing to aerospace to defense and, uh, and back, back to retail. So, uh, you know, we have 120 locations around the world. Uh, we're in 40 plus countries. Uh, but we're primarily focused on uh, North America, Europe, and uh, Asia Pacific, uh, with expansion plans uh, in you know the LATAM region in the next 12 to 18 months. So uh, hopefully that gives you and uh, your listeners a good broad overview of Seek uh, Logistics. And, and I'd say you know most of our uh, most of our services are bundled with transportation, although we're increasingly uh, um, you know uh, growing our our footprint of, of warehouses. Uh, to, to provide multi-tenant fulfillment solutions, again, mostly on the e-com side uh, around the world. So uh, one of the reasons I think why companies like to work with us is we're nimble, fast, flexible, and uh, at the end of the day, we're, um, we're, we're small enough to care, but we're big enough to scale. So we're, we're kind of right there in the, in the mid-size range of companies that can help, uh, help, help companies with their supply chains globally. Yeah, absolutely. No, great overview, Brian. And um, given the uh, sort of the reach that your company has, the verticals that you serve, um, you know, it'd be interesting to hear from you sort of when you look at the global logistics market these days, and I know we could probably have a, just a separate conversation on this alone, sort of how are you sort of, um, how would you sort of describe or assess the current state of things? Um I guess at this moment, really at the mid-year point, I mean, there, there's a lot to, there's a lot to chew on there, but I guess from a top level, and then we can drill down to some of the other things that, that are impacting uh, and going on within the market. Yeah. I, I think that, uh, you know, really since 
January of 2020, when China started to go into some lockdowns, I think that, uh, you know, the running theme since then is just when you thought it couldn't get any worse, just wait, right? Yeah. I and mean, that, that's kind of been, you know, the other shoe's been dropping now for a long time. Uh, and, and I think kind of putting every company's supply chains up to this rigorous stress test of actual real life you know, scenarios playing out, worst case scenarios playing out all over the board um, from disruptions in demand to disruptions in, dis- in, in supply uh, and, and having it, you know, happen really truly as a global event. Uh, then, you know, I think one of the things that's, that's really come about is a lot of companies have um, really gotten better with their supply chains because it's, it's almost like a, you know, in constant crisis mode. So you have to be really uh, adaptable. You have to be really responsive and, and flexible. And I think companies have have improved a lot of, uh, you know, the mechanisms and processes that they put into place to protect their inventory levels and their supply chains. And, and so where we are today is, you know, there's still a lot of shoes that are yet to drop. Uh, there's still a lot of you know, we, we call it the, you know, VUCA in spades. VUCA is volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. Um, you know, all four, you know, uh, danger zone meters are flashing red, and they still are flashing red. So, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty still about what's going to happen in the market. But, you know, there, there are at least more green shoots than there ever have been. You know, it does seem like congestion is easing on certain modes and in certain geographies. Capacity is becoming less of a problem uh, in certain areas, but it's not it's not across the board yet. I don't think we're we're out of the woods yet, uh, and I don't think the quote unquote normal pre-COVID levels of anything are ever going to return. And so, but but the good news is because of a lot of companies' reinvention or redeployment of their supply chains and supply chain strategies. I think companies are prepared for whatever that new normal may be, um, if, even if we, you know, don't get to it for another year or two, because um, we're still going to have some uh, some of that VUCA this year and, and next year for sure. Yeah, no, no, no question about it. It's, I like that term. Um, you know, that kind of, you know, you think about how things change so quickly within within the sectors that we're all focused on here as it relates to freight, transportation, logistics, and the supply chain. Something that was getting a fair amount of attention, um, even just a few weeks back, was the talk regarding a potential freight recession or, or major logistics downturn, if you will. Um, now, do you guys see it that way? I mean, you, you paint a pretty good picture, a pretty optimistic picture there. And of course, these are just people's opinions. Um, but you know, you still you still see strong import growth. Uh, you're still seeing sequential. Uh, well. Uh, to varying degrees, a sequential annual retail sale gains, for example. So we're, what, does it, what does it all mean? I mean, do, do you think the fears of a freight recession are overblown or is it just something to keep in mind and monitor on a, on a real near, near-term basis? That's a really good question. I think if, you know, all you do is, uh, you know, truckloads, um, you know, you, you'd, you'd, be, you'd be definitely worried about what, what's happening with the spot market for, you know, full truckloads across the United States, because, you know, that market just seems to be, you know, 
not collapsing, but but certainly coming back down to earth and and doing so re- really quickly, and the speed uh, of that I think is what's alarming a lot of people. Yes. Um, if, but if you look at the whole you know supply chain, uh, as you said, you know you, yes, a lot of retailers are getting hit when their financial reporting uh, and quarterly reports, and but it's not due to a lack of sales; it's due to increases in costs, including transportation. So. Um, you know, yeah, we look at the numbers just like you do. Um, yeah, even if there was a, 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 a minor dip in in retail sales, it's still, you know, huge gains from, you know, uh, 2019 levels still. Right. Like it's we're not we're not reverting back. And, and so, you know, it, yeah, we're still seeing orders come through. Uh, we're, we're so, uh, you know, for us, what we see is is not like a necessarily freight recession. Uh, it's certainly not going to be like last year. Uh, I think yeah. that that is a, you know, there's always going to be an asterisk next to, you know, every statistic for both 2020 and 2021 for very different reasons. I think this year we're going to see more normalization of freight volumes and freight flows. Uh, I do think that um, inventory to sales ratios uh, still still have a ways to go. I think I think different companies are experiencing different bullwhips right now. And so unlike 2020 and 2021, when it seemed to kind of hit everyone, I think now you're seeing some companies that are uh, overburdened with too much inventory and are canceling orders. And you have other companies that are still playing catch up uh, and they need they still need inventory and they're maybe having supply uh, supply issues or constraints. So. Um, it's it's really kind of a, a tale of different cities right now in the global supply chain, which kind of puts us somewhere in between. You know, it's not going to be like 2020 again, uh, but I don't think there's a lot of us that that really pine for those days either. Yeah. Uh, you know, but it's I, you know we don't see it kind of just bottoming out like March of 2020 when almost all purchase orders were canceled. Right. So um, it's going to fall somewhere in between. Uh, which will, I think, alleviate some of the cost pressures and capacity issues that we've seen. Uh, I think it's overall, you know, healthy for the economy and for everyone's supply chains because we we couldn't be running at 2021 levels uh, forever, right? I mean, it, it was already breaking down. All you had to do is go to the uh, off the port of uh, L.A. Long Beach and the San Pedro Bay to to really, you know, be witness of that. Um, so, you know, it's it wasn't sustainable. Uh, so yeah. it had to end. And uh, we're, we're just happy that it's, you know, hopefully it'll be kind of a soft landing. It won't be for everyone. Uh, it won't be for every industry either. So um, I think it's going to be, uh, you know, different industries and different con- companies are going to experience it differently, I think, over the next six to 12 months. Um, but, you know, there's going to be a bit of some soft landing. But but, you know, orders are still going to be placed. Goods are still going to need to be moved. And, you know, we're even seeing some, um, you know, estimates that uh, consumers aren't even going to fully shift back their pre-pandemic spending levels to services to what they were in 2019 until maybe even 2023 or 2024, uh, which, which I think is interesting as well. Um, because, you know, it's hard to plan for a trip with a family of five when fuel prices are what they are today, right? So, um, you know, I think, you know, it, it's, it's going to be a while uh, and, and, and hopefully, you know, over the course of a year or two that things will uh, have 
more time to balance out. Uh, but, you know, the, the whole idea, the analogy we've been using over the past two years is really a pig and a python. That's kind of what the global supply chain has been. Uh, and there's been delays in a lot of different areas. And, um, you know, now at least this gives us a time to work through that pig through the python and, and get back to some somewhat of a, a normalcy uh, that, uh, you know, a lot of companies are, are really pining for. Yeah, no, no question about it. Um, and obviously you, you talked about how uh, you had made that uh comparison for the family of five going on vacation, you know, it makes things difficult. Uh, this whole inflation, inflationary uh, um, environment that we're in obviously is making things quite challenging. And you see it everywhere for buying milk, bread, eggs to filling up uh, uh, your, your gas tank. I mean, now there's talk of the federal reserve uh, possibly moving to raise the, uh, the interest rate to uh, 0.75%, three quarters of a point. Um, and this is at a time when, uh, costs are front and center, even more so than usual, um, within supply chain and logistics and freight transportation. How do you sort of view this potential move, uh, of the upping of, of the interest rate in terms of what might it, what might it mean from a logistics perspective? Does that, does that really, uh, hamper the, uh, the ability to do business more effectively? Um, does it, does it impact the ability to, uh, hire and keep people. I mean, I, I, there's probably like 20 questions I could come up with yeah, about yeah, what yeah. it might mean, but why don't we just keep it top level? I'd be, I'd be interested to hear your take on that. You know, I think it's not just the, you know, 75 basis points, but it's, you know, it's also looking at it from the standpoint of, you know, what they're communicating about the future as well, right? Which is more modest movements. Uh, and I think that's just as important. And um, at, at the end of the day, you know, the Fed needs to act in order to, um, you know, control uh, to the extent possible, uh, you know, things like inflation uh, and employment, right? Like these are, these are some, some, some of the tools that the Fed has at their disposal, they're deploying them. Um, you know, we, we're, we're not one to pr- prognosticate on, you know, how much or how aggressive they should be or, or how often they should do it. But but at the end of the day, it is going to have an impact on, on business across the board. I think the intended uh, effects are, are, are going to be to kind of slow things down. I do think that many parts of our economy have been overheating, uh, and that's not healthy, and that's not good. Uh, that's not sustainable. So, yeah. um, you know, from that standpoint, we're, 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 you know, cautiously optimistic that that will happen. I think some of the impacts uh, of inflation are are also self-correcting too. I mean, you look at a lot of companies that are sitting on a lot of inventory. One of their strategies is is really, you know, how do you get rid of inventory? You discount. Um, that impacts margins, but it keeps product moving. Yes. Uh, and and that we're we're going to start to see a lot of that, uh, and that's going to have uh, some impacts on you know inflation and um, you know. But it's 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 taken us a while to get up to this point. It'll certainly take us a while to get back down to normal levels of inflation. Um, and, you know, what the Fed does, I think, has a role. Uh, I think what companies do as well has a role. Uh, and uh, I, don't, I certainly don't see inflation going up any further. But, you know, but, but at the same time, uh, you know, uh, we also didn't, you know, foresee, uh, you know, an invasion of Ukraine uh, and what the impacts to fuel prices would be either. So there's still the opportunity for future black swan events to kind of throw a wrench in everyone's plans, uh, including the feds 
And I think we still need to be cognizant of that because I guess to my earlier point, right? If we think it couldn't get any worse, just wait. Uh, yeah. There are still more shoes, I'm sure, to drop. Um, you know, let's see what the West Coast port negotiations, labor negotiations are going to look like and the results. Let's see, you know, if there's any other kind of geopolitical issues that are out there that could have an impact on things like fuel or other commodities, uh, like semiconductors and chips. Um, mm-hmm. But but if you kind of take all of that out of the equation, I think we're we're on a path now to return to more normal inflation levels. But it's going to be a while, um, and and for at least the immediate future, uh, we we all have to you know plan for the costs that that are kind of baked in right now, and and that's not ideal for for a lot of folks. But discounts are coming if they aren't here already for a lot of retailers, especially. I think certain modes whether it be full truckload or even now ocean rates, spot, the spot markets returning back to earth. It's never going to get back to pre, pre-pandemic levels, especially on the international side, but they are coming back to earth. And that's that's helping with some of the inflationary pressures as well. Yeah, absolutely. And um, shifting to more of a traditional setting, you know, I don't know how traditional it is anymore, especially going back to uh, summer 2020. But given your exposure to different modes and different geographies. When we talk, when we viewed this year's peak season, the, the 2022 peak season, um, you know, how do you sort of see things coming together? Are we, are we just too far past the point of a, a real normal peak season environment or is it, or is there a potential to see things occurring on a more traditional level? I guess until we see what happens with the China reopening in a meaningful way and give it a little time. That might be a tough question to answer, uh, I think, but who knows? <laughs> speaking of, uh, speaking of black swans, right? So yeah, uh, when, when you're, when you're in an environment when, uh, you know, there could be circuit breaker events where, you know, shutdowns could happen at random times. It's, it's really, it really is difficult to get that crystal ball out, but um, you know, it, it, there's still going to be a peak. Um, there's always a peak, whether or not that peak uh, season um, gets, you know, gets to the point of congestion and elevated rate levels. That's the that's the big question mark. So, you know, people are going to be ordering for, you know, the holidays, uh, getting ready for the holidays, back to school. You know, these are these are, you know, POs that are being worked on right now uh, and people are preparing. Uh, but it, this will be a more much more muted peak season uh, than we've seen in years past. Uh, so, you know, we don't we, we do see congestion in L.A. Long Beach getting worse before it gets better, uh, especially with the reopening of China. Um, you know, there's some pent up demand. There's some product that's going to be making its way here. Um, there's still bookings being made. Uh, so, you know, uh, we, it's not like they're they're free and clear of their issues, not just at the port, but the, the logistics that support the port operations, including, you know, the chassis and the and the rail cars and the rail yards. I mean, there's, there's a lot there that is, you know, there's some imbalances that will take uh, some more time to, to work through. So, um, you know, the congestion will get worse before it gets better, but, you know, we're not going to see it get to the levels like we saw, you know, end of last year where you had a hundred ships in queue either. So it's not going to get that bad. Uh, and it will be a more muted peak season. That's what we see, but it still will be a peak, you know, that, People are still placing orders. People are still buying things. Um, you know, the, the, it's not going to be a collapse, but it will certainly be a much friendlier market for shippers and importers. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the China situation, um, you know, there's a lot of unknown there. You know, how long is this going to go on for? Um, you know, you, you, all the talk about West Coast, specifically West Coast port delays. Uh, things have obviously gotten better there. Um, but depending on who you talk to, uh, once China really starts kicking back into high gear, there there is some apprehension about sort of the, the next uh, the next domino to fall, coupled with the aforementioned, as you talked about, the West Coast port labor negotiations. And uh, if uh, something uh, significant were to happen there and, and in, in a negative sense, it, it could, you know, th- there we go back to another black swan event. How have you been communicating with your cl- with your uh, shipper customers about the China situation? What are sort of the top level takeaways that you're making clear to them? Um, you know, it, it's the, the, the big thing here is you, you can't, you can't predict the future outright, but what we are seeing is that, um, you know, there's still a, uh, zero tolerance policy in China, right? Yes. Uh, and, 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 and so that's a fact that we just all have to, you know, understand, but, but it does seem like the strategy is changing a bit um but i don't think we're we're under the impression that they are going to you know kind of adopt uh really the the rest of the at least western world's approach which is you know after you know a couple of rounds of vaccinations that you know the 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 risk levels are such that you can open up and return to normal i i I don't think they're quite there yet and they're not going to get there for a while so what that means what that will mean is 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 disruption i think we're having a lot of clients that are asking us about alternative sourcing locations uh, whether that be places like vietnam or places like mexico uh you know these are something these are areas that companies are actively looking looking at Um, but the problem there is you just can't you you can't do it you can't make a lot of stuff like you can in China. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's, it's still, there's a reason where they're kind of at the center of a lot of global supply chains because they just do it so well and they do it at a price that uh, many countries would be hard, uh, uh, you know, hard, hard to compete against. So um, it's, it's, it's definitely a challenge, but it's, it's something that, um, you know, we, we, we're, we're just telling our clients like this is, this is, we don't think this is going to change. Um, be ready. Uh, but in the, but the, you know, the benefit though, I think that one of the things that we have going for us is, you know, we actually have people on the ground in China. Um, we have the team there that can give real time updates because that's, that's, I think the most critical thing, because when there is a lockdown, it does seem like the news and information is not, uh, not really there because, uh, you know, there's a lot of delicacy around um, how these things are communicated because you could say that the airport's open, but if you can't get a trucker there uh, to deliver freight, is it really, is air cargo really flowing? And so we have to be careful with understanding that we don't want to, you know, go against the official line in, in China, but at the same time, we have to also help our clients navigate what this means for their supply chains. And, you know, with the most recent lockdowns, um, you know, yes, you could use alternate ports, but at the same time, so is, so are a lot of other people. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, so congestion will just shift to other areas. And so this is one of the reasons why we, we give 
support updates to our clients. We, we, yes. we do kind of red, yellow, green all across the board, all around Asia. And, you know, and for a lot of companies, even if there is a lockdown, because they're so severe, there's no expectations that they will be six months. So maybe they'll be 45 days, maybe 60 days. That's not ideal either, but it, it's, it's, uh, it's something that you, you know, companies are learning to plan around because sometimes it's better to, just to stay the course and, you know, and work, you know, work through back orders for a couple of months, knowing that when things get back online and they will, then you can kind of follow the same processes, the same routes, the same carriers, the same providers, because if you start jumping ship and using different carriers that are not tried and tested, that are not, you have built a relationship with, um, that's where a lot more failure points can happen. Uh, and, and when things open up again, you're not, you're, you don't have the allocations that you had before. Uh, so sometimes, uh, and, and I think that's one thing that companies should, should think about and consider when there are these circuit breaker events that um, it's not going to be six months. Uh, they are so severe that, they're they're oftentimes shorter um, than let's say what happened in Vietnam where it was like three months of nothing. Yeah, uh, and, and that was that was a challenge. But uh, but you know uh, some people in in China are are doing what they're doing in in Vietnam where workers just live at the factory. Uh, you know the conditions are are just truly uh, unreal and and brutal in some some uh, occasions. But uh, how they're still able to rally and support. Uh, the demand that's out there. It's really um, unbelievable and and really a shout out to uh, all of the workers in China that are navigating through this, including our own teams. Okay, great, great. Uh, <coughs> Brian, this brings us to the end of our, our time for today's podcast. So on behalf of Logistics Management Magazine and the Peerless Media Supply Chain Group, I'd like to say uh, uh, a big thanks for uh, for joining us and spending some time with us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Jeff, and looking forward to the next one. Absolutely. Um, and for those of you on, on Twitter, I definitely recommend giving Brian a follow. He's always got some really good, engaging uh, things to get you thinking. And that's simply at BP Burke. It's at B-P-B-O-U-R-K-E. And also, please uh, don't forget to give us at Logistics Management a follow, simply at Logistics MGMT. And also, please go ahead and sign up for our podcast. If you're not already, wherever you get your podcasts, just go ahead and search for the Supply Chain 24-7 podcast. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day, and we'll see you next time.